재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 And we are continuing our discussion for this push on tougher sanctions against North Korea and whether it would be effective or not. We're going to maybe explore some of the alternate ways to try and get North Korea to curb its uh, nuclear ambitions. And we're going to be joined by an expert from Asan Institute very shortly. Once again, here in the studio, we have Seoul Bureau Chief from NPR, Elise, who you had this interview with uh, Deputy, uh, Deputy Secretary of State uh, Tony Blinken. And I'm, I'm not sure how much he was able to uh, disclose whether it was off the record or on background, but uh, in terms of his demeanor or what he was saying and the sense you got, did he seem optimistic that this push, this coordination with South Korea and Japan and trying to get some of the other players involved would result in something positive with North Korea? Well, as a key U.S. diplomat, I can say he was very diplomatic. (laughs) But it is clear, it was clear from our conversation, which was on the record, uh, that conversations are happening. They are in the midst of them. Um, So to the question of the sort of distance between China and the U.S. on these tough sanctions, he was... He wasn't able to answer because he was sort of um, and sort of, I guess, signaled that they're actually in the sort of trading and horse trading on mm. um, on on this question. And so uh, he did say to us uh, that a resolution is close and that it's probably within weeks that uh, mm. it'll get worked out. But we'll see one. And we're going to actually get some analysis now uh, from a North Korea expert, a good friend from Asan Institute for Policy Studies, a senior research fellow, Dr. Kwo Myung-hyun. Hello. Hi. Dr. Go, thank you for joining us once again. Um, thanks for having me again. Well, as you know, uh, North Korea is on the minds of many mm-hmm. people, this push for uh, harsher sanctions. True. Uh, I guess, again, there's another school of thought that says instead of just focusing on North Korea, um, where, where do you think we can creatively utilize any multilateral efforts, whether they're sanctions or maybe punitive measures that uh, we can uh, impose on other people, maybe um, outside entities or countries like Iran, because some people feel like, hey, Iran, although you are now, I guess, in the good graces of some people because of the nuclear deal, you had a role to play in this. Uh, true, true. Uh, Iran definitely uh, helped North Korea. I mean, it's suspected that Iran helped North Korea with its, uh, not so much with the nuclear program, but with the ballistic missile program. Uh, but then, uh, for the one, again, again, but when it comes to nuclear program itself, uh, it's suspected, I mean, it's confirmed that, uh, this Pakistani scientist, yeah. uh, called, uh, Aq Khan. Aq Khan was the very important, uh, had a very important role when it comes to, uh, assisting North Korea with, uh, you know, nuclear development technology. But then, again, this took place a long, long time ago, like 10 years ago, and as far as we know, uh, you know, uh, according to the latest intelligence, uh, there's not a clear connection between Iran and North Korea. Uh, in terms of uh, nuclear development or assistance and mutual cooperation. So if we punished Iran for what it did, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, years ago, that would be retroactive and that wouldn't really go down well with Iran at all. And then, you know, I, and then since there's no ongoing cooperation between the two countries, it wouldn't have any effect when, uh, to, in terms of uh, sanctioning North Korea what it did this time. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, skeptical of uh, that idea. And we mentioned this before, Elise, as far as the difference in approaches towards Iran uh, versus North Korea. 
Although, again, in the U.S., there are still a lot of detractors to this recent uh, nuclear deal uh, with Iran. Yep. Uh, at least, do you feel that uh, if you look at what happened with Iran and the, uh, the fact that they were able to come to an agreement, although I guess by most accounts that program was not as far along as what we have in North Korea, uh, can we benchmark that? I mean, or is the North Korea situation different? Uh, is it just like Libya where they say... Look, you can come to some kind of a deal, but look at the, what happened to the regime subsequently. And North Korea feels it doesn't really matter what happens. We're not going to give up these nuclear weapons regardless what agreement we say we're going to come to. Well, those who argue in favor of engagement certainly ask that question, which is that why doesn't the logic that we used for engaging with Iran or reversing a decades-old policy with Cuba, why doesn't that apply to reversing a policy that isn't working with North Korea or engaging North Korea um, and sort of bringing it in from out of the cold? Um, that sounds logical, but at the same time, one of the responses that, that you hear from those on the other side is that uh, geopolitics doesn't follow logic. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of um, reasons why the North Korean situation is quite different from Iran, uh, one of them being that Iran had a lot more uh, economic interests in sort of ending the sanctions that were that was put up that were put on them. Uh, and North Korea's economy is so, so far down right. below developed. And they're not pumping that, millions of gallons exactly, of oil. They're not. Know. Right. So the, the economic drive for North Korea to come in from from the cold is not as persistent. And the other, of course, is uh, the neighbors, right? The, the, the region um, mm. and the, the neighbors of Iran were far more interested in uh, denuclearizing there or halting its development uh, than it seems that neighbors here have been pushing, neighbors mm. namely being the major one, China. Right. Dr. Go, would you agree that North Korea is really in a unique situation that's very different from a situation like Iran? No, that's no, I agree totally with that. North Korea is a very different case from Iran. And the most important difference, I mean, the most important difference is that North Korea has carried out nuclear tests three, four times. And, and then also you actually bowed to, I mean, publicly they never give up nuclear weapons. So it's very different from Iran, which never tested nuclear weapons, and and also it never, I mean, didn't have like highly enriched uranium, and also it has uh, engaged in a very serious diplomatic effort to come to an understanding when it comes to their own program. So uh, I think there's a very different. I mean, th these are very two different animals, and so there's no point in initiating negotiations, deploying negotiations with North Korea, which has you know, swore uh, that it never engaged in such initiative. So I think this talk about uh, applying the uranium model in North Korea doesn't really work out, not just because you know, the you know, lack of uh, uh, effort on the American or the South Korean side, but also because North Korea is not willing to entertain the idea in the first place. When we talk about the U.S. then and what they're trying to do in the region, uh, trying to get cooperation, they've secured the cooperation, obviously, of their allies like South Korea and Japan. Uh, they would like a firmer stance from China, but they have various foreign policy objectives and priorities. They are at odds with China on other issues. Uh, they are at odds with another player like Russia on, mm -hmm. on various other issues, yeah. including the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, is that going to be a factor in terms of how difficult it is to have the United States secure the cooperation that they feel is necessary to put that pressure on North Korea? Yeah, so that's the, that's the biggest obstacle right now in terms of formulating an, an effective sanctions regime to stop North Korea from becoming a fully nuclear state. And uh, But then it comes to cooperation 
cooperation from Russia. Uh, there's news recently that uh, you know, uh, President Obama and President Putin in Russia, they had a, a phone conversation about ongoing international issues, and then they disagree on many things, <laughs> for example, on just on Ukraine, for instance, on Syria. But when it comes to North Korea, they agreed that uh, there should be a strong international response. So Russia is, uh, is less of a challenge in this case. But China is, to, uh, China is going to be the biggest uh, issue for, you know, for formulating an international response uh, against North Korea because China has a very unique and uh, its own understanding of uh, North Korea. China and North Korea have been very close, and this still, uh, despite the differences they have between the two, two leaders, uh, between President Xi and uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, China thinks that North Korea, uh, I mean, the collapse of the North Korean regime is going to create a instability in the peninsula, and, and most of the damage will fall on the Chinese side rather than the South Korean side. So uh, this, is the, 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 this is the concern that Chinese have, and then in order to mount a strong and effective international response that engages China, then we have to address these Chinese concerns seriously. Elise, as far as the U.S. is concerned, and there are hawks there that... Uh want to put boots on the ground to fight ISIS, they, they want to be more engaged in all these hotspots around the world, they might actually be advocating regime collapse if you kind of uh, push these uh, uh, tougher sanctions on them, but it seems like a catch-22. They need China's cooperation for that, but at the same time, China, maybe they'd be willing to cooperate, but they're never going to tolerate a situation where the regime could be at risk of collapse and once again have those floods of millions of refugees across their border. This is why it's such a vexing problem, and um, we now know, the, the United States uh, now knows so little because uh, international monitors haven't been allowed in North Korea in something like eight years. And uh, since since Kim Jong-un has not had conversations or any sort of um, uh, real conversations, I guess, with, with uh, American leaders, it's, we really know very little about him as a leader, too. And so the status quo gets ever more dangerous as time passes yeah. because we know less and less and then uh, the international monitors have been away from the development of their uh, nuclear arsenal f for longer and longer. China is important. I mean, everyone knows that, Dr. Go, right? And yep. we know that they have their own national security interests that uh, they have to be mindful of. It always seems to be the case, though, with the United States and, uh, to a lesser extent, South Korea, where they say, look, China holds the key to all of this. Uh, we need China's help in terms of trying to pressure North Korea. But, again, I suppose the more hawkish or uh, uh, more belligerent point of view would be, you know what, China has not been as helpful as we would like, and we're going to have to just go our own way, whether it is uh, uh, just uh, excluding China from our calculations or even trying to go a step further and not take their interests into account. It does, that's not a very feasible situation, obviously, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, but then, uh, but, you know, but the thing is that there's also still some space for uh, uh, United States and South Korea to punish North Korea by employing their own means. I'm sure like, North Korea depends on China on a lot of things, such as energy and uh, like trade and all that, and, but then, and then China is going to take its own measures against North Korea at, at its own pace, so that's definitely has been its behavior uh, in the past as well. But then there's a lot of things, a lot of room for like maneuver for the, for the, the international community. Uh, North Korea has uh, not an insignificant uh, presence in Southeast Asia. Uh, it conducts trade with the uh, Southeast Asian countries such as Indonesia, 
families in Singapore, and it, it, it's believed that uh, North Korea maintains uh, uh, strong banking, no, so, so, but significant banking relations and in Singapore, so that, uh, such as money laundering using some other entities in Southeast Asia. So uh, South Korea and the United States could definitely target the, those operations. It's not going to hurt North Korea as much as China could hurt North Korea, but it's still going to do some quite a significant damage to, North, to the North Korean economy. Another sticking point here is the presence of a castle industrial complex. Uh, this is a major issue right now because uh, North Korea is making up to in the tune of $100 billion a year in coal cash uh, through the castle industrial complex. And it doesn't really make sense or doesn't really give a moral standing to South Korea to ask China to engage in uh, some strong like economic sanctions, impose strong economic sanctions in North Korea while South Korea is conducting business as usual in Kaesong. So South Korea could definitely do more when it comes to Kaesong industrial complex, such as really scaling down the operations there and then reduce the amount of money that's going into North Korean regime's coffers. So I think that's probably the first steps, and there are a lot of things we can do without China right now. Just a quick follow-up on that. Is there a card to play similar to a few years back, uh, as as you well recall, Dr. Go with yep. the Banco Delta Asia, mm -hmm. where they basically froze the funds, and a lot of people were surprised at how quickly it mm -hmm. essentially brought North Korea to its knees and said, That's we're right. going to concede and we're going to do whatever it takes to get that uh, mm -hmm. sanction lifted. Does the U.S. have that card to play, or are they reluctant to play it? They are definitely going to uh, think about that card right now. Uh, I think... Uh, I think it's a matter of the scale of uh, uh, sanctions that, you know, U.S. Going to, I mean, financial sanctions that U.S. is thinking about right now. I mean, they have a lot of information about uh, North Korean banking uh, operations, I mean, financial transactions taking place in Southeast Asia. So I think, uh, though, in order to have a real bite, I mean, have a really, like, you know, significant impact on the North Korean economy, they need help from China mm. so that, you know, they can have a more, uh, for example, target operations that, uh, that uh, transactions are taking place in Hong Kong, Macau, which are uh, you know, under Chinese influence. So, but then even without the uh, Chinese cooperation, I think we can uh, uh, do the same thing that we did in 2006 with Banco Delta Asia. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Dr. Go, as always, we really appreciate your insights and hope to have you again soon. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. That was Dr. Ko Myung-hyun from Asan Institute for Policy Studies. So, Elise, is there, I mean, we, we've talked about what are some of the other cards to play uh, besides the sanctions regime. Uh, I, I suppose the other alternative would be to, to talk to them. But, the, but again, that's, politically, it just seems untenable, both in the U.S. and I suppose here in South Korea as well. I think part of the reason it's so untenable in the U.S. is because South Korea isn't interested in, in that, right? So um, one of the schools of thought is that there is an overemphasis on China being the key to everything. Uh -huh. um, Dr. Goh made a really good point about, hey, if South Korea wants to do something unilaterally, it could just close Kaesong, right? right. Why not close Kaesong? Um, I'm surprised that hasn't been uh, a bigger part of the discussion around this in terms of response over the last few weeks. And the other is that um, South Korea uh, obviously, um, when Lee Myung-bak came in as president, did an obvious shift in policy away from engagement towards disengagement. And uh, and uh, Park geun seems to have moderated that a little bit. But the option is on the table to kind of swing back the other way toward engagement since isolation certainly hasn't proven to stop the nuclear development uh, across the border. So that is on the table. It just doesn't seem to be the direction that leaders are going. 
And it, again, it, it, it is uh, different depending on the administration that is in power at the time. Uh, the Sunshine Policy and then the Nomihyun administration's more open policy towards North Korea, a lot of critics of that, saying that, look, it resulted in the exact same thing, so engagement's not necessarily uh, the solution as well. But for, for the president, she says that she wants this unification jackpot. Uh, it's going to be um, a bonanza for the country economically if we can get this uh, country unified. Again, though, from the North Korean perspective, we're not trying to be apologists for North Korea, but this is definitely reunification on South Korea's terms. And it's a crude analogy, but when you see with China and Taiwan and say China as well, we're eventually going to reunify. I mean, that's going to be the longstanding policy, and that's an inevitable outcome. But from the Taiwanese perspective, again, depending on uh, which administration has been power, and as we've seen in uh, the very recent presidential elections, the, things can change politically. You just have to wonder as far as public sentiment is concerned, whether it's going to kind of cycle back and people are going to say, look, this isn't working again. Maybe we should try uh, the engagement approach, maybe modify it, but at least we need to talk to them. Right. The more time you get away from a unified Korea, the more time you got away from a unified Germany, uh, the more differences appear. I mean, we've done plenty of stories about cultural differences. The, the Korean language isn't even the same anymore in North Korea versus South Korea. And so the sentiments have changed generation over generation, too. And so uh, I, I think this becomes a more and more problematic question as we get farther and farther away from those who have memories of a unified Korea. Right. And for as you it's just like the comfort woman issue uh, as as people who uh, have lived during that time are slowly uh, dying off. If this becomes a status quo and it is kind of cemented in reality, despite the fact that, as everyone says, we're still in a state of war, it really is difficult to, to change the situation. Yeah, and it seems like when you ask Koreans um, in general, they say, yes, we want reunification. But then when you ask the second question and say when it's like uh, in 30 or 40 years, which is essentially. Yeah imagining it so far out that it, it's as if you're answering the question as never, right? So so reunification isn't sort of in folks' minds as something that could happen in the near term. And so uh, the policies that would need to get there and the policies that would need to follow if reunification were to happen haven't really been yeah. thought of uh, as, as acute. Right. And if we talk about how you want to change the status quo, how you want to get North Korea to, I suppose, be a more normal state actor, give up their nuclear weapons, uh, undertake some reforms and what have you, and what people can do in the international community to facilitate that, it does seem like it does come down to a sense of urgency. In Iraq, in Syria, with ISIS, it is definitely a state of emergency there. Uh, in it's Europe, life or death, right. It, right, the refugee situation, but... As you know very well, if people from outside Korea ask, oh, my gosh, how can you live in this place? It must be so scary with those nuclear bombs and all those soldiers in the DMZ. Here, it's just daily life, and people do not feel that urgency. And you kind of wonder, and it's, it's, it's perhaps morbid to say so, if, if it does if it's going to take something a little bit more dramatic to really get people to move. There is a sense um, that South Korea has sort of lived under the threat and the, the sort of rhetoric of North Korea for so long that South Koreans have just become desensitized yeah. to it. And the expats who also live here who kind of, kind of go along. And just kind of roll your eyes about it, right? Like, right. oh, North Korea, you know? Um, but... 
again, this is a very real. The, the most recent threat in, or the most recent test indicates that the nuclear um, weaponry is advancing, uh, and nobody seems to have done anything to stop it so far. Right. And we've seen the same uh, pattern play out uh, over the past few decades, wondering if anyone's every, anything's going to be uh, different this time around. All right, we're going to leave it there. Elise, as always, thank you very much. Uh, glad to have you back and hope to see you again soon. You bet. Thanks.